Jewish audio on Kaban.org. Rambam, Mishneh Torah, Hilchas Maser, the laws of tithing to the Levite, Perik Shishi, chapter 6. These are very detailed, very complex laws of giving the 10% of the produce to the Levite when it kicks in. What can be done, what cannot be done, a lot of detail. Aleph 1, Machlikin. There, is a, there was a custom back then, maybe even today, I have no idea. Because the closest I get to produce is in the supermarket. But they used to rub the surface of figs and grapes in order to make it more presentable, I guess. You can do this, you're not causing a loss to produce from which you did not yet tithe. Furthermore, anything which would be forbidden to a non-Kohen to consume if this food was again, And we covered this already. For example, seeds are forbidden to an Israelite of Truma. And similar, the same things would be forbidden from a forbidden mixture of truma and non-truma, or from the tithe, from which the Kohen's 10% has not been removed. We didn't even touch upon the law of the second tithe, but the second tithe was designated, we're going to learn that it's coming up. And then it would be redeemed and the money taken to Israel. Before it's redeemed, though, it's forbidden. The same goes for Hegdish. Something has been sanctified to the Temple Fund. This we learned extensively before it's redeemed. Any of the above, which would be permissible for a non-Kohen to eat from Truma food. So the same substance would be permissible. In food from which Truma has not yet been taken. From which the... 10% to the Kohen was not taken, or my Sashani in the second tithe. So that's the litmus test. If it would be forbidden to an Israelite, if it was Truma, it's forbidden to this whole list. We learned earlier that the Truma is consumed and used as the Kohen wishes. What if the Truma becomes defiled, impure? Then the Kohen uses it for fuel. This is called shemen srefa, heating fuel. It's a, a great commodity. Now the question is, if you have produce from which Truma had not been taken from, one may not take tevel, produce that had not yet been trumafied. I like that word, trumafied. And burn it, because you say... Who cares? I'm going to be taking truma from it, and it'll be burned. Let me just burn the whole thing. No, no good. Certainly not on Shabbos, even weekday. You must guard my truma, just as pure truma. It doesn't take upon itself a definition of truma, unless it is set apart, set aside, ap truma tmeya, also impure truma. You can't say, hey, the whole pile is impure. Why do I need to set it aside? Let me just use it for fuel. Ein l'cha you can't use it. only after it has been set aside, even if it is defiled. Gimel ein we may not cover tebel with earth. 
tevel is, again, produce you did not yet take truma from. You can't, you see seeds that were strewn all over the place. It's forbidden to do this until after the truma has been separated. One cannot plant produce from which truma has not been separated. Even produce which is not complete. Also, it's forbidden to plant from this produce. Achiyasin until we do the tithing. When does the supply If we're talking about if we're talking about grain, if we're talking about beans and others, however, if somebody uproots a sapling that contains fruit and replants it somewhere else, that's a different ballgame. It's permissible. It's not like planting tebel, because you didn't gather it. So also if somebody uproots turnips, radishes, and replants them somewhere else, in the scaven if he intends to add to the bulk mutter, it's permissible being stolen. And if he replanted them, that it should become uh, firmer, and he should take the field. Also, it's forbidden, so that it produce stalks. It's like planting wheat or barley of tevel of non trumafied food. For litra maser tovul shezora. Bishbicha, a liter, which is a measure of produce that was separated in, that you took the tithe, I'm sorry, a liter of tithe of Tevel, which was planted, Bishbicha, and it improved. But hey, yes, a liter, now it's 10 liters. Chayeb has been meiser, it needs meiser. Plus, yes, has take meiser for that liter. The same goes for a liter of onions, where he corrected them with meiser, and he then planted them. Because the seed of the onion does not decompose, he has to take tithe for the essential seed as well. Seeds that matured at least one-third, which we learned earlier, kicks it into the meiser, Arena, and then he straightens the heaps, and then he takes the tenth for the levy, and then he plants it, and it becomes more veins adam kola. But it's the type of food that the seed does not disappear, like garlic and onion. Then we're in doubt. If it requires rabbinic tithing, because it became added to, because the original seed is still there, and it did not decompose. And that has already been taken, Meiser has been taken from it. Now this type of seed would not be similar to the onions because it's not a common practice to sow, to plant onions. So he's talking about something here that's not onions, but it's something that does not completely decompose. Somebody plants tebel, whether something decomposes or not, he plants something that decomposes or not, so here the problem is he should have separated tithes before he planted it, if he can possibly gather it together. So we penalize him and he has to gather together but if he began to sprout, began to grow, we don't obligate him to uproot it, that which grows is everyday food. But if the actual seed did not 
decompose up here the gedul, the gedul, and asur, and then even that which grows from that which grows is forbidden. Not shalish gonos, three grain heaps, barabi, and the fourth mutter is permissible. Why would the food that grows, we said earlier that the food that grows where we have a very lenient application, because not so much the miser, but the truma that has to come from the miser and the truma itself that has to go to the Kohen is very severe. The same halacha applies when somebody plants a miser produce from which truma has not been taken. Can somebody sell produce from which truma had not yet been taken? The answer is only in dire need and only to someone who is reputable to know what he's doing responsibly. A, a God-fearing learned man can be the buyer. Furthermore, people should not send truma, I'm sorry, people should not send food, produce, from which truma and maiser has not been separated, even a God-fearing learned man, to a God-fearing learned man, because we're concerned that there may be a false assumption here. Maybe one will assume that the other guy separated it, and they'll eat produce from which truma and maizah has not been separated. If somebody sells produce at someone else, and he reminds himself, he says, Oh my God, or as they say today, OMG, it's tebel. It, truma has not been taken. He runs after it to correct it. He can't find the guy. If he knows for sure that it's gone, it's lost, it's eaten, you don't have to separate Truma and Reiser for something that's gone and lost and eaten. If there's still a chance that it still exists, maybe not, maybe yes, maybe not. He has to separate tithe from other produce. If somebody sells produce to his friend, the seller says, I sold it with the assumption that Truma and Meiser has not been taken. The buyer says, I bought it with the assumption that you already did what you have to do. The weaker position is held by the seller. The Torah expects the seller to tithe. It's a penalty because he sold table. You're not allowed to, by rabbinic law, sell table. You may not repay debts from table. Somebody comes and pounds on your door and say, hey, you owe me money. So you say, okay, go take my produce. I didn't take truma from it. I didn't take mice from it, but go take it. No good. You're not allowed to pay debts from produce from which truma and mice has not been separated. Because paying debts is like selling. What if the king's tax department came and they just took the produce? What do they call it? To garnish wages? The IRS comes in and just takes it. If he's obligated to pay the taxes to the king, he just didn't pay it, but it's a real obligation. Then, you have to pay your tax after you separate the produce to the Kohen and the Levi. You can't say, because it's going for taxes, I don't have to give the Kohen and the Levi. So you have to give it from elsewhere. <coughs> but if it's a bad government, a decadent, a rotten government, and they just randomly come in and take stuff, 
then it's like somebody stole it. <coughs> so one does not have to set aside the tithes. What if somebody buys produce from which Truma had not been separated, or Meiser from two places, Mas and Mizel, that he can take from one place and cover the other. If somebody takes a field on commission, on consignment from an Israelite, and the way it used to work, people used to take fields to harvest, and they would pay, they would get paid 30%, 40%, like a sharecropper. So here he takes the field from an Israelite, or he takes the field from an Anjou. The only way he can get away with it is if the division is made right there in front of all parties. So that the person, the Jew, or even the non-Jew should know that he took produce from which Truma and Meiser had not been separated. Why does the non-Jew need to know in case a Jew gets from him? But if somebody rents a field from a Jew, if he gave him from the field, from the seed of that field, Tatum, he has to first set aside the tithes. Then he can give him from the one he promised him from. And the owner has to do his own setting aside tithes. If he gave him from another field or another species, he first has to set aside the tithes and then give him. Now here's the situation, and he brings down in the notes here that this applies only in Israel because there was the time in the oppression of the Roman era. It was tough times in Israel where the Romans, the Romans were, oppressing, were oppressing the Jews. And non-Jews would come in and forcibly seize fields. So it was not a good time where the Jews got along with their Gentile neighbors. So that's what this law is about. If somebody rents a field from a non-Jew from this era, he has to tithe, and then give him. Why? Because our sages penalized him. Because our sages don't want people renting fields from these people. Because if they won't be able to rent them, they'll leave. We're just encouraging their harassment. If this guy, this hostile fellow from the Roman people, cannot rent his field, it's going to lay fallow. Ultimately, he's going to sell it to a Jew, and the Jews will be able to occupy Israel. So this was a special takana, special ordinance for a special era. So also if somebody receives his own inheritance, but it's now owned by a non-Jew, he's punished, he should give first tithe, and then he should give post-tithe the portion to the non-Jew, in order that he not rush to rent the field, because again, we're trying to dissuade those people from claiming ownership to the fields. We'd rather they lay fallow. And again, this is a special time, special place, and so on. What's the difference? How do we define renter? And how do we define sharecropper? Where somebody 
rents the property from a definite with a definite price from the seed. So many, so many measures. It doesn't matter if it makes a hundred measures or a thousand measures. I'm giving you thirty measures, flat rate, flat tax. Mekabel, a sharecropper is the word share. Or as they tell my grandkids in preschool, sharing is caring. It's a proportion. It's a percentage. 30%, 40%. Whatever condition they're going to come to. Rents for money. A choker rents for produce. A socher rents for money. Two people who received a sharecropper's deal or inherited or became partners. One can say to the other, You take the wheat in one place. You take the wheat from the north. I'll take the wheat from the south. You take the wine from the north. I'll take the wine from the south. But he should not say, you take wheat and I'll take barley. You take the wine and I'll take oil. Why? Because that's like selling. And you're not allowed to sell food from which produce has not been separated. What if a Kohen or a Levi purchased produce from an Israelite after they came full cycle? After everything that had to be done was done. You take the Truma and Meiser from them. And give them to other Kohanim Why? Why can't they keep it for themselves? We learned earlier they can. Because in this particular scenario, it's a penalty. In order that they as customers should not run to the grain heaps and to the wine vats and purchase non Tithed produce. Because that way they would be removing the potential gifts from other, from their brother Kohanim. But if they acquired it before they came full cycle, we don't remove it. Who sold uprooted, harvested Produce to a Jew before it came full cycle. Certainly, if they sold it while it's still attached to the ground, they may keep the Trumah But if they sold it after it came full cycle, now it's up to the buyer. Now the buyer can choose his Kohen. Earlier we say they could have taken it off for themselves and kept it. Anything you could have done, is as if you would have done it. Yud Zion Kayim Balev Shkibu Sonim Yisrael, a Kona or Levi who received a field from an Israelite, in, I think in sharecropping. Kishem Shechelk and Bechulim, just as they would divide the everyday food, Kachelk and Betrumah Mamaisus. They also divide the rights of the Truma and the tithe. By Yisrael Nesin Chelk, the Israelite takes his. Portion. gives it to any Kohen or Levi he wants to. But an Israelite who took a field and sharecropping agreement from a Kohen or a Levi, the Tuma or the Maiser belongs to the owner, and they divide everything else. 
If somebody accepts a contract on olives to bring forth oil, Ben whether an Israelite from a Kohen or Levi, Ben Kohen or Levi, I'm sorry, whether a Yisrael from a Kohen or a Levi, Ben Kohen or Levi, or a Kohen or Levi from an Israelite, there's a sharecropper's agreement to bring forth oil. I'll bring forth oil from, I'll produce oil from your olives and then I'll take a share. Just as they share. The mundane, they share the gifts. Because oil has prominence and this is how we treat prominent food. Yud sold the field to an Israelite, and he told them, I'm making a condition with you. I'm selling you this field, says the Kohen, but I always want the tithe. I want you to make a deal. You're always going to give me the tithe. Then it's his, or, or the truma. Because he said, on the condition, it's as if he left the place of the tithe over for himself. What if this Kohen dies? His son is like all other Kohen. But if he told him, that the gift should be to me and to my children. If he dies, the child, the son takes it. As long as the miser is mine, as long as it's before you, can be sold to somebody else. Even though he bought it back, the deal is gone. An Israelite received a sharecropping field from a Kohen or a Levi, and he said to him, I'm going to give you the sharecropping Contract on the condition that the tithe is mine for four or five years. Muta, that's fine. On the condition that the tithe is mine forever. Also, it's forbidden. Why? Because now the guy made him, the farmer, into a Kohen. You can't make a Kohen, a Kohen can't create a Kohen. A Levite who had a debt from an Israelite. A levy owed money to an Israelite. So he said to the Israelite, you can have the tithe that I'm going to be getting for the next 17 years. So the levy kind of appointed this Israelite as a levy. This Israelite cannot collect from others who mapish and set aside until he pays up his debt. Because one levy can't appoint his creditor as a levy. He should become a miser collector. It doesn't work that way. Chafal of 21. This is a little bit complex. An Israelite gets an inheritance from his Kohen, maternal grandfather Kohen. Could be that an Israelite will have a maternal grandfather as a Kohen. However, as it happens to be, that grandfather who was a Kohen inherited that field from his grandfather who was an Israelite. Then it could be said that he can take the tithe and keep it. Anything that could have been set aside, it's as if it was, even though it wasn't. So therefore, he is the heir. He can have it for himself because we can assume that his grandfather could have taken it for himself. Of course, he can't eat truma. If somebody gives a field in sharecropping to a non-Jew, a 
And the question is, the guy who is his sharecropper, who is a non-Jew, does he know anything about the laws of tithing? Will he tithe? Or to a Jew who's not trustworthy that he will tithe. He's not a reputable tither. Even though the era of tithing has not yet arrived, you have to make sure that the phase of tithing was made together with them. There shouldn't be misunderstanding. The son of Lamar, if he gave it to an ignorant person, if it was before it came to that point where the obligation kicks in, you don't have to do maizah. He stands by the graining, by the threshing floor, and he takes, he's not worried about what they already ate. Perhaps we'll be responsible for, we're not responsible for it. End of this chapter.